wow. It's almost like Iguodala healed overnight. Remember when he couldn't walk in game two? That's crazy. Look at him now. He's literally flying around the court. It makes me wonder if he was actually hurt. Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the morning show. We're back after a long weekend. June 3rd. If you didn't already know, Warriors took game two. Um, they went on a 20-0 and run to take game two, and that pretty much won it for them. They won by like five points, 109-104. Steph didn't do anything crazy. Uh, Clay didn't do anything crazy. Draymond didn't do anything crazy. You know, Raptors did what they needed to do, except for that 20-0 run that happened in the third quarter. I mean, can you can you beat anybody when you you know when you fall to a 20-0 run? Probably not. So, anyways, Warriors tied up one-one. They go back to the Bay. It's not looking good for the Raptors. They needed that game. They really needed that game. Uh, Yankees win another series. Mets lose another series out west. Anthony Joshua gets his title taken away from him from a used car salesman in uh, Anthony Ruiz, an out-of-shape used car salesman in Anthony Ruiz. And uh, we talk Le'Veon Bell. We're going to get into Le'Veon Bell. I don't think he's been talked about enough. I think people forget that the Jets got him. Um, <clears throat> so we'll touch on that. But back to the finals. You know, I know I was just kidding about Iguodala and whatnot. But, I mean, I'm not really kidding. Because one of two things happened here. He didn't really have a knee injury. And he's it just has a flair for the dramatics. Or they've got some kind of crazy advanced medicine that just completely eliminates your limp crazy advanced medicine that just completely eliminates a, a knee injury that he needed to get an MRI for that he couldn't walk off the court in game what was it game one game two you know 48 hours later and he's literally flying around the court I don't know what's going on there uh, now I'm not suggesting anything but crazy crazy healing for that guy the guy who, who was you know we didn't know if he was going to be ready for game two so I don't know. I don't know if it's psychological. I don't know if this is a game that they're playing or what. But it worked. Because he's back and he's not hurt at all. So, kind of weird. Kind of weird. Ends up hitting a really big shot too. So, expect for Durant to come back really soon in this series. And then it's it's over. You know, it's game over. So, it was fun while it lasted. Raptors needed to win that game to have any kind of chance against the Warriors. They're going to go back to the Bay and get absolutely smoked. Um... Especially if Durant comes back, which I think he is. Um, you know, for them to go back home tied 1-1, that's what they wanted. That was a win for them. They were really looking for that. Now, the one thing I would say is, you know, this is the second game in a row where the Raptors held Golden State under 110 points. That's a, that's a victory. <coughs> you know, game one, it was about 100. Game two, it's 109. So... If they can continue to do that, they're going to stay in these games. Hopefully they can. But Siakam, you know, and they're not going to win when Siakam starts the game, you know, with zero points going into the third quarter. 
You know, Siakam can't get shut out in the second half because that, that's really their number two option behind um, behind Kawhi. I mean, you could say Van Fleet, but you don't want to. You don't want Van Fleet to be your number two. It's kind of like Del Vadova being the number two to LeBron James in the 2015 Finals. You're gonna lose. Yeah, you might take a game, but you're not. You know, Siakam has to be that like next next level guy. So. Again, I think it's over. I think they really had to go up 2-0. You know, any juice that Drake brought to the finals, the juice ran out last night. You can only go go for so long. Now, if you tell me that Drake comes to the Bay for Game 3 and gets in an altercation on the floor with one of the Warriors players, then the juice is back. And, they, and the Raptors win, juice is back. <laughs> no, I'm kidding around, but I mean, if Kevin Durant once Durant comes back, the series is done. So it all really hinges on him, and and they needed to steal as many games as they could before he came back. Really blown opportunity for the Raptors. I think it's over. Now, more interesting, more interesting news. Yanks take another series. I think they've won like. 13 of their last 14 series something like that don't quote me on it but it's very it's close to that which is incredible you know that'll get you a 38 and 20 record that'll get you first place uh eight and a half game lead over boston two and a half game lead over the rays um and they're you know they're doing it without aaron judge they're doing it without john carlos stanton they're doing it without luis severino they're doing it without Dylan Batances. those are four core pieces to the yankees puzzle now they all should be coming back soon you know, Sevy's, you know, and Didi. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Didi. <clears throat> They're doing it without Didi, Gregorius as well. So, you know, you put all those things together and the Yanks are 38 and 20. 18 games over 500. Really good way to start the season. You know, <clears throat> you know how they say negativity draws attention. People, you know, people watch if there's negative going on. There's not a lot of negative going on here with the Yanks. So, obviously, the more interesting team to be talking about is the New York Mets because they just suck. They're three games under 500. Listen to how terrible the NL East is, though. Let's talk about that. They're three games under 500, and they're five games out of first place. The NL East is a joke. It's the biggest joke. It's the biggest untold joke in the MLB. Nobody talks about it. It's the best kept secret in the MLB. How terrible the NL East is. This is a bunch of just garbage teams beating each other up for, you know, a 33 and 25 record. And that gets you five a five game lead <laughs> over the Mets. So the Mets are three games under 500 and they're still only five games out. Compare that to the AL East, right? Red Sox are two games over 500. Now, if they were to be. And they're eight eight point five out. Red Sox, two games over five hundred, eight point five out. If they were three games under five hundred, they'd be eleven and a half games out. Their season would basically be over. The Mets are right in the thick of a pennant race at three games under five hundred. They're terrible. They're not a good baseball team. They've been terrible all year, and they're still in a pennant race. It's one of the worst things that could happen to this team because, let's face it, you know. If you're under 500, if you if you're under 500 for a whole a whole year of baseball, you're giving your fans false hope, and uh, and the direction of the franchise is not pointing upwards. 
you know, you can go ahead and make a win now move, trade more prospects away and get win now pieces. And it's only going to hurt the future of your franchise. I don't agree with people like Mike Francesa that say, well, you know, if you're, you know, if you're within a strike of a pennant race, you go for it. Really? So that you can just lose to a better team in the playoffs? Because that's what's going to happen. You know, I'm not a believer in once you get in, anything, I'm not a believer in that. Once you get in, anything can happen. I'm, I'm just not. Because I don't think that I don't think that's true. Especially in a best of seven against the LA Dodgers, you're gonna you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. Go ahead and add, you know, Dallas Keuchel or Craig Kimbrell, and think that you know your three game under five hundred team that that makes you guys World Series contenders because it doesn't. So if the Mets want to continue this, you know, reverse action, you know, th- this reverse direction of the franchise into the into the garbage can then they'll make more win now moves to, tr- to try to hold on hope for this season they'll trade away more prospects Brody will just you know break up the farm system even more for a couple win now moves that's that's what happens when you're in a bad division it creates false hope Mets are they're in probably the worst possible place that you can be in but nobody's really talking about it. nobody really sees it people get caught up in the season you know, the record is so, you know, the the standings are so deceiving because there's a lot of really bad teams in the NL East. <clears throat> I mean, look at look at what's going on with the Phillies right now. They're 33 and 25. They're in first place and they have you know, a 300 million dollar problem in Bryce Harper for the next like 14 years of their of their franchise. Because there was so much pressure to sign him from the fan base. It's really not, you know, it's a horrible position to be in. Really a terrible position to be in. <clears throat> the Annalise is a disaster. Anyways. Yanks win another series. Mets lose another series. And the baseball season just continues to roll on. And it's such a long season. But we could talk about it every day. Because things change every single day. Um, but let's let's switch to boxing because Anthony Joshua got embarrassed over the weekend. You know, all the smack talk that he did, all the, you know, he tried to say that Deontay Wilder was the one that was ducking him, but clearly we know who was ducking who after what we saw this past weekend. Anthony Joshua got beat by a, an out-of-shape plumber in the ring. You got to see this guy. Google Anthony Ruiz and look at him. That guy just beat supposedly one of the greatest champions of all time, you know, and Anthony Joshua. Now, no, 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 no. If we're going to call anyone that, it's Deontay Wilder. So here's what this means going forward. Deontay Wilder, now, he already scheduled his next two fights. He's fighting Ortiz again, and then he's fighting Fury again for the rematch, which now it looks pretty cool. You know, I'll definitely <clears throat> I'll definitely pay for that Fury rematch, as, as a lot of people will. That's going to be a huge fight because it was really, a, you know, the first, when he beat, when Deontay beat Fury, it was really uh, controversial. Some people thought he should have lost. I don't. He knocked him out. Pretty much knocked him, knocked him down, should have knocked him out. He got up. Somehow he got up. I don't know how he got up. But now what that means is, let's you know, he fights Ortiz Wilder uh, in a few months. 
And then in 20, early 2020, he's going to fight Fury for the rematch. Depending on what Joshua's next fight's going to be, and if he can win, we should see Wilder Joshua after the Fury rematch. After Wilder fights Fury. As long as Wilder wins. I think that we will see that. We'll see what happens with Joshua here. I mean, I cannot believe he lost to that plumber. But good for him. I mean, and Wilder, I retweeted it on my page. You you guys can take a look at Sports Radio Joe. He went after Joshua. He wasted no time. He said, you were never a real champ. Add, Add Anthony Joshua, you're never the real champ. You know, just creating some juice in a potential fight with these two guys. So go look up what happened to Anthony Joshua. It was really just amazing. Like I can't believe it. he got knocked down four times in the fight, and then they had to, they had to stop the fight after the fourth knockdown because it was just so Joshua was so out of it. I think you know clearly he overlooked this guy. Clear and it's it's not hard to. I mean you got to just take a look at this guy Anthony Ruiz. Let's hit Le'Veon Bell. Football season's right around the corner. Preseason's right around the corner. It's June. So we got about a month and a half until, you know, we get active. Minicamp starts soon, too. So Le'Veon Bell should show up for minicamp. I mean, I don't think that's mandatory. I don't think that's uh, voluntary. I think I think Bell's probably going to have to show up to minicamp. I think this is when, like, the, you know, real stuff starts happening. I, and I'm not one of those guys that's, like, upset that he didn't go to voluntary camp. It would have been nice. But, you know, if you're telling me that, you know, you see these guys get, a couple guys get hurt in these voluntary camps. That is just so meaningless. And and the preseason is the same way. You know, you don't want your guys getting hurt in in games that don't matter. But again, you do want your guys ready. You guys want, you you want your guys in game shape. So there's, you know, there's a fine line between the two. So, Le'Veon Bell's going to be good to go. I'm not worried about him. <clears throat> but I don't think people are talking enough about the signing <clears throat> and what it's going to do for Darnold. He's 27 years old. He's in his prime. He just took a year off from the NFL as well. His legs are so... You couldn't have a guy with a more fresh pair of legs than Le'Veon Bell. And he's, he's essentially a wide receiver too and a really good one at that. So we basically got a running back slash wide receiver in his prime one of the best all-purpose backs you know in the last five ten years and he's coming off a year where where he didn't move his legs where he didn't take a hit because he's so fresh you know so it's it's a big deal and and you know as far as the team goes they should be in for a big year defense is loaded Maybe not at the cornerback position. That's the only place where they could use some work. But they got studs at every position on defense other than cornerback. And that includes safety, which can cover a lot of holes if your cornerbacks aren't good. And and they got savages on the D-line, linebacker. There's there's studs everywhere. The defense should – there shouldn't be any issues on the defensive end. You know, we got our new coordinator, Greg Williams. He's a, he's another. <laughs> you want to talk about an addition? Greg Williams is, a, is an addition anywhere he goes. You know, he he breeds savage defenses. Even if he has to create bounties. So, 
Now, it's all about offensively and Darnold and what he's going to do in year two. <clears throat> if Le'Veon Bell is the same guy that he was two years ago, this team's going places. So, you know, as much as it's about Darnold, it's, a lot of it's on Bell, too. So it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. You know, I wouldn't normally be talking about the Jets in June just because, there's, you know, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of juice there. Like, ever. There hasn't been juice since 2009, 2010, and that was fake juice. That was fraud juice. So, you know, we're looking... Things are exciting again in Jets, Jets land. So that's pretty much it. You know, I hit everything I wanted to there. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully something crazy happens. And we'll talk about it. Maybe I'll do another theory. You know, I, I like to fill, you know, when, when there's not a lot to talk about sports-wise, I like to fill it with a theory, a sports theory. So if something comes to mind, maybe you'll hear that tomorrow. But you never know in the sports world, world we could have a huge day. All right, guys. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks. <clears throat>